All right, good morning, everyone. Okay, before we begin, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm AJ. I work here. Uh, so you'll see one of these. This calls, says no bugs allowed. So this is the time of year when um, we have to start realizing that there's going to be some German germs going around. And we have a different policy than maybe, maybe other churches that you've been to, which is this. Our kids' ministry volunteers are awesome and all that, but Uncle AJ's got to be a little, uh, little firm about this. We're not the church that says, come and bring your kids if they're sick. In fact, we're the church that says, if your kids are sick, please don't come here. Why? Because every winter since I've been here, we've had immunocompromised people sitting here, whether it be chemotherapy, whether it be, okay, and I understand you don't, can't watch your kid as he turns that doorknob up with his yuck, <laughs> but then someone we love who's immunocompromised comes along, and so you can just stay home, and I promise you when my kids are sick, we stay, they stay home too. I know some churches, Brenda was saying, oops, used your name. <laughs> some churches would be like, why aren't you at church on Sunday? And you're like, well, my kids are sick. They can be sick here too. And I'm exactly the opposite. And if you get my kids sick, we're going to have a huge problem. You understand? <laughs> it's kind of a joke, but you also can tell by my face I'm not really joking, am I? Anyway, no, but so that's, guys, let's just be conscious about that, okay? So she put up, I'm sorry, our kids ministry director put up this and it basically just gives you the ideas for that nobody it's not that we don't want to see you and it's not that we're being mean do you get it really especially like i said with chemo going on and things like this it's bigger than just us we need to look out for our family which is of course everybody in this room let's do it can you hit it b right i'm gonna adjust my new fancy stool which i still love thanks very much everyone that's my present last week for pastor appreciation week let's do it uh we broadcast live on facebook and it has a tremendous response i hate to i gotta tell you it's in the hundreds every every week so we Tend to pander. So, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Okay, and good morning, everybody watching or listening online, NorwoodFMC.com as well. We consider you extended family, and of course, that's a resource for if ever you can't be at church. For example, if your kids are sick. <laughs> Inside joke, people. Okay, so listen, we're going to do something different today. I don't do too often. I'm going to do a bit of an expository preaching. If you've been in church long enough, you think that's a synonym for boring, but that's not actually going to be the case today. Um, man. I wish I could remember right now what we've been talking about here, but I think it's been a lot of, uh, oh, talk about hearing from God, uh, the practical ways of being led by the Holy Spirit and things like this. But this week, what, what, what kind of came up in my understanding is um, that in a lot of ways, some of us are, Brian, is that not working? Okay. Um, in a lot of ways, guys, what I want to check up on is something very simple, and it's this. Last summer, I did a series. I don't normally preach in series, but I did a series called Big Mean God because the reality of it all is, guys, we all come from different places, whether church life or not church life. My, myself, I wasn't churched until my mid-20s, but we have this idea of creator God that we've gotten from all these little places around us. And in particular, there are certain stories in the Bible. By the way, I'm, I'm a pretty conservative Bible guy, meaning this. I believe, I believe the Bible says what it means and means what it says. I'm a pretty strict interpreter of the Bible in that way. But I'll say this. Some stories in the Bible make me feel yucky about God. And I'm not afraid to say that. Some of the, some of the stories in the Bible, I'm like, that, that's messed up. Or that's weird. I don't understand that. And I'm going to look at one today. We've looked at this before, guys. But I promise you there's probably going to be something new in here. That's how Holy Spirit works. Is, uh, we're going to look at what's called the Akidah in Hebrew. And it means the offering of Isaac. And I want to propose to you today that if we look at this, if we actually look at it, not mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, that priest, or whomever else, I want you to use your eyes and look at it. I have a feeling we're going to walk out of here with a different version of this story. 
the actual version of the story. Because here's what I hear. Let me, let me recap for this for you, AJ style. So this guy named Abraham, his nickname is a friend of God. Am I right with that, Lyle? Um, he wanted something for a really, really long time, and it was a family, especially because that, back then it was currency. It was people to work the fields and, 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 and the cows and all that, but it was also inheritance, you know what I'm saying? There was, there was not that many people on earth, according to this. And so be fruitful and multiply, and a big family was a huge blessing. Well, he waited and waited, 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 and he finally got a family. Well, one day, God, I'm not sure in what form, because yesterday, we, last week we talked about when God speaks to me, it's my voice in my head, very similar to my voice in my head. It's just different than what I would normally say. Um, well, God appears to him and says, hey, I need to do something. Get up and go where I show you. And so they do. He, him and his little posse <laughs> get up and go. Three days journey. And God then shows him. He says on that mountain right there, take your son, your one beloved son, and um, go sacrifice him on the mountain. Okay. If we can take off our churchy pants. What? That's messed up. Like you lost me, God. Sorry. Jesus with the kids, dancing with butterflies, I can get down with that. But what? Then I had a son, and I was like, no, absolutely not when I look at this story. So can we be honest and take our churchy hats off, like I said? So long story short, he leaves his posse down there. He goes up. He gets ready, apparently, to sacrifice his son. An angel comes and says, hey, just kidding. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say just kidding. He goes, don't do that. There's a ram over there and sacrifice him. Now, if you stop there and we go home, we've got a schizophrenic God asking for child, child worship. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> because how can he be loving and kind and all this stuff and then ask him to set? It doesn't fit. Now, but, but, but I always say this, don't I? I say, if you see something in the Bible that doesn't look like Jesus, you don't understand it. And so today we will go on a fantastic voyage. And you've, some of you have been through this story with me before. But... Take this in, in our lives. Now, I remember Bev, Grandma Bev once said, she didn't particularly like this story because a preacher once said to her, you got to love God enough and more than your kids that you'd be willing to sacrifice your... Okay, now here's my thinking, and then we'll jump right into it. As a dad of a six and four-year-old, I would be profoundly bothered if they formulated an image of me that was untrue, particularly if it was unforgiving, demanding, mean, and cruel. Do you understand? So now can you see where all through the week I've been praying, and I think God wants us to kind of clear up the story. So what we're going to do is, bang, we're going to go slide by slide. And again, I promise you this won't be boring, and I'll be very colloquial about it. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you, Brian. I should make people clap for Brian. This is what we traditionally think of when we see this, right? Mountains, older dude, little boy, cute, right? I looked at all the different pictures. That's what it always looks like. Cool. I'm about to kill that. I'm about to murder that picture. Let's go. Next one. Let's kick it into gear. Here you go. Boom. So Genesis 22, 1, if you're looking. And it came to pass after whatever things happened before that, God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. Time out. We're going to go through the King James Version today just because I chose to. I'm not a purist in that way. It just happens to be what I'm doing today. But so let me ask you something. We're going we're to kick right in. Came to pass after these, God did tempt Abraham, tempt, and said, behold. So Abraham responds with, here I am. Now you know what the story's going to be because I just told you, right? What do you mean tempt? This is the crux of the entire story. God did tempt Abraham. What is he tempting him for? What, what exactly is it? Now I want to propose this. Let's look at the next slide. 
I want to propose to you that God is tempting Abraham to let go of what God had already said to him. There's the temptation. That's my opinion. Because if you went back three chapters, Genesis 17, you see this. God spoke to him and said, Sarah, your wife's going to bear, bear a son. And you'll give him the name Isaac. And I will establish my promise with him for everlasting, endlessly. And with his kids after that. Next. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac. Elsewhere he says this. And Sarah's going to give you a kid. So in the beginning they say God tempts Abraham. And then you know what it's about. Go sacrifice your son, right? Eric, I'm proposing today that the temptation was actually simply this. God had said specifically through that boy and his kids, you're going to be blessed. And so later, and we're going to see here in a minute, God says sacrifice your son. Well, I, I propose to you today that Abraham did not have the posture of a trembling dad about to murder his long-awaited beloved son. I propose that's not the truth. I propose instead that Abraham was probably like this. I've been around this mountain. I've let go of things God has said before. Look back in Abraham's story. God, if you want me to kill him, you got a problem because you already promised me he's going to have children. And we're all going to be blessed. So even if you want me to kill him, I bet you he's going to raise from the dead in front of me because you already promised this thing. <laughs> Seriously. Guys, let me tell you something. I don't care how old you are, but, the, but your story right now today, the story that is getting written on your pages is accumulation of all that you've been through. Is it not? And so you end up with this next big thing. I'm looking around and knowing most of your stories. And the momentum of the, the journey behind you informs where you are today, correct? I think of the people who got the bad diagnoses two years ago, last year, this year. I think of the cancer scares. And I think of all the other times where we're going to sing a song and it goes like this. Never once did we ever walk alone. And so you get that diagnosis and what do you say? You've been so kind to me and faithful. And now I've got this thing in front of me. Looks like you're going to have to work it out again. Am I right? And so in the beginning, you saw a fearful dad and God being so cruel and he's no better than the fake gods of the other that are asking for child sacrifice. But you know what? God simply says, will you believe what I already told you? So get up. Let's go. Next slide. Let's keep going. And he said, take your son, thine only son, Isaac, to whom thou lovest. Time out. Now, conservative Bible. Oh, by the way, I'm leaning heavily on khouse.org a teacher named Chuck Missler, who in 1981 exposed this out of Genesis. He is Walter Martin's protege. God rest him. He died last year. Uh, I've spent hundreds of hours with this man. He's a great guy. khouse.org. He always talks about the rule of first mention. Whenever you come across a principle or a word for the first time in the Bible, it's very important. Now, here we see the first mention of love. Take your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Now, I'm not going to get too nerdy here, but it's just the word love in Hebrew. Remember, Greeks got the four words for love. Hebrew, this is just lovey, love, love. Abraham loved her. Jacob loved his. Okay, lovey, love, love. That's what it is. But that's a big deal. That's a big deal. What I'm trying to say is this. What you're about to see is the, is, is the backdrop for the first mention of love. So what you're about to see is love. Do you see this? Okay, hang on to that. I'll, I'll tie that up after. Get thee unto the land of Moriah. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains. Of which I will tell you. Time out. Who ch who's choosing the mountain here? God is. Thanks, Val. God is choosing the mountain. 
That's important because I even have a picture I want to show you after. Okay. Um, next one, please. On the third day, it's a three-day journey, by the way. This isn't just, you know, skip over. Abraham lifted his eyes. He saw the place far off. Now, that's a three-day journey. Now, listen. What I like about this is three days of uncertainty. You should see the parallel here. Three days, three days underground, three days. You'll see it. But I also want you to see this, that our journeys at times and the difficult things do not pass in a heartbeat, do they? Okay, so imagine if you even had a suspicion that you're going to have to say goodbye to your son and then you got to walk for three days. Has anybody ever been through something that it just persists and is on and on and on? You're not alone. You're not alone. But in those three days was the temptation. Do you see that? Are you going to give up on what you know God said to you and who you know God is? I'm giving you the whole thing already as we're walking through this, but it wasn't just... Abraham, go in the backyard and do this, and you've got, you know, 50 steps to doubt me. It's day after day after day, isn't it? It reminds me of the Israelites walking around Jericho. Come on, dude. Toward the sixth day, I'd have been the one. Are you sure? What did he say exactly? We're running out of water. Really? You know what I mean? What did I say last week, though? If you're hearing the voice of God, God seems to very rarely be in a hurry. And so if you find things are dragging on, don't panic and look around. Understand, sometimes that is the temptation and journey, is to hang on. Three days. Next slide. This is going to get weird. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide you here with the ass. Now, I just wanted to say ass in church. I'm not going to lie to you. And you can't get mad at me for it. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. If you didn't know me, I'm kind of immature, just so you know. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, here's... <laughs> And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. I and the lad will come again to you. He's saying, we'll be back, dude. BRB. He just told his trusted advisors, one of which is Eleazar, down in the mountain, I and the lad are going to go up there and we're coming back. So remember the picture Brian showed you, the little boy? Hmm, the fearful little boy. Daddy, what are you doing? Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Oh, and did I mention that um, Isaac is most likely, every single scholar I've researched, he's over 30. Did I mention that? So you're talking about a man probably not probably as tall as me. They were a little shorter at the time. A man like me. As evidenced by this, uh, we'll do this in a second. I don't know if we will or not. All right, I'm going to hit it just in case. Isaac carries the wood up the mountain. It says it right in the Bible. Isaac carries the wood. Abraham fashions the wood to Isaac. So when we had the little boy thing, how horrible would it be if he strapped a cord of wood to a six-year-old? <laughs> it's not a cord, Bill. I know, because you taught me what a cord is. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, though? Okay, so this story's starting to morph. In the beginning, we saw a big, mean God who probably looked a lot like Gandalf the White, who's commanding someone to, you can't be happy. That thing you love the most, I want it. And now we see, wait a minute. This is a faithful God telling a man who knows him and acknowledges him to hang on to who he is. Bring your adult son up. Spoiler alert. Because I'm going to let you be a part of something. <laughs> Next slide, please. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. There you go. Who's carrying it? 
Isaac's carrying it. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. Didn't have a bick. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought about that. Like, he had to have a fire and, like, keep it lit as he walked up the mountain. I'm sure it was a torch or something, but I didn't think about that. I thought, like, you know. No, he took the, he was the keeper of the flame, as it were. And a knife. And they went, both of them, together. Of one accord, not fighting, not struggling, not screaming at each other. Okay, you're convinced. At least some of it's falling off. Next slide, please. Let's get through this thing. I skipped a slide where Isaac says, hey, where's the offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And they both, and they went both of them together. Ooh, time out. I just saw something new. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I don't know if I want to do this yet. Let's go to the next slide and then I'll kick back. Let's go to the next one. Just remember 20, just remember eight, but I want to have that back. So then the, the angel says, lay not a hand upon their lad, neither do anything to him, for I know that you now fears God, seeing that you have not withheld thy son, then only son from me. Time out. So this is where the angel stops him. Can I tell you something that bothers me in this? The word fear. There. Think about this. The angel stops him and says, hey, I know you're, okay, you don't have to murder your son because now we see you're scared of God. Scared of God? I mean, I've been scared of God since I knew he, what, yeah, we didn't have to bring me up here. Of course I'm scared of God. He's God. I'm his friend. I know him. And also, can I tell you something? I was thinking about this in my deer stand yesterday. I was out scouting. I wasn't hunting. Um, for you legalistic folk out there. But it ain't raffle season yet, AJ. <laughs> Kirk. Um, I'm just getting him. So listen, I was thinking about this. Can I tell you something? If somebody, you, let's, say, let's say six people with guns comes in here. Well, good luck. Let's say 30 people with guns come in here. And they're like, AJ, you have to sacrifice your son. Can I tell you what I'm not scared of? I'm not scared of me dying. I'm scared of my son getting injured. So this makes no sense. The angel says, now I see you're afraid of God. What do you mean afraid of God? Look, if you let me take his place, absolutely well. I'm not scared of that. And likewise, if we're friends, I'm afraid of you. You also said later in the Bible, perfect love casts out fear. You also say every other time you talk to your people, you say, fear not, I'm with you. So am I supposed to fear you? Or am I not supposed to fear you? Do you understand that? Fear not, I'm with you, says God. But I thought you wanted me in a state of fear. I thought I impressed you by trembling in front of you. Does that feel right to anybody in this room? It doesn't, does it? Some of us come from old time religion, which says, you be the ant, he'll be the magnifying glass, and that's how he like it. But we have a problem. The problem is he's done nothing but give to us, not take. Can we get an amen there? Y'all are, come on, get with me today. Would you, more head nods and amen and all that sort of stuff? He who gave his only son will he not give you all things, but he wants you to dance, monkey dance, and be scared? Some of us have even 2% of that in our faith, and I promise you it's toxic. And I think that's what God wants to do today. I don't care if it's 10%, 20%, or some of us 80% of this fear of God. Perfect love casts out fear. And if you fear, you've not been made perfect in love. And so we have a problem here. Now, I did look up the word fear here because I'm a nerd. Plus, it's so easy to do. You just go to Bible Hub, and you can click on it, and you can see the other mentions of it. You can see the origin of the word. You get what I'm saying? I'm not going to pretend I'm some scholar. I'm good with the internet. I don't say. <laughs> Fear here seemed to have, it's more of a have reverence for, to uh, understand the power of, to really just to revere. I know that you revere God, okay? Other translations of the word fear, but not this one, I'm not going to lie to you, is trust the intentions of lots of times in the old testament in hebrew when they say fear it's trust the intentions of 
That fits a lot better in the story, doesn't it? You brought your, your most prized thing on this planet. I gave you an ambi ambiguous command. You did it even when it looked like peril, and you still showed up. It sure seems like you trust my intentions for you. That's truly what it seems like. Next slide, please. This is a weird one. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. That's it for that, right? Okay, we're going to go back two slides in a second. But after this experience, this is what Abraham takes away from this. Not, whew, I'm glad he changed his mind. Like Batman villain, Joker, Two-Face, where he flipped the coin. Oh, I don't want to kill my son. Shoo, jackpot. No, instead he goes, something bigger was happening today. And on this mountain, it will be seen. Now, here's what I want to show you here. Remember when I mentioned Eleazar? Maybe you did. Abraham, a long time prior, was complaining to God, saying, I don't have a son. In fact, only my servant Eleazar is here to inherit my stuff. Remember that? Then he's given a son named Isaac. Now, the reason that's important is because Eleazar, words, names mean something in the Bible. I don't know when that stopped, but names mean something. They truly do. Eleazar means comforter. Can you tell me in the New Testament who's called the comforter? Holy Spirit. Weird. So you've got a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit on a mountain. And a son who's almost or looks to be sacrificed. Can we see those topographically? Can we see that first picture? Let me, let me, I'm a little, uh, yeah. So what we see right there is the Akidah. Remember I told you that's the offering of Isaac. I don't know if y'all can see it online. Up top we see the Akidah. Oh, wow, backwards. We see the offering of Isaac on Mount Moriah. Boom, 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 the threshing floor of Runa in Salem. Now, now, I want to show you something a little weird. Let's overlay another. What's the name right there on the top of that we see? It starts with a G. Right where the Akidah is, later on it becomes the place of the skull, which is translated into... Golgotha. So AJ, you mean to tell me that a father goes up and prepares to sacrifice his son while the Holy Spirit waits, comforter, but you mean to tell me a few hundred years later, a father really does sacrifice his son on the exact same spot? So Abraham sees this, goes through it, stays his hand, and says, on the mount of God it shall be seen. Now let me ask you something. What's the word I told you first appears in this story? Do you think maybe Abraham knew that on the Mount of God in this very spot, love will be seen? Come on, it fits too perfectly, and I'm not smart enough to put this together. Do you get this? Let's go back to that eight, whatever it was. I want to show you that real quick. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Except when it actually shows up, it's a ram. Isn't it? The ram tangled in the bush by its horns, right? God will provide himself as an offering. Do you see that? He didn't say God will provide a lamb. He said God will provide himself a lamb. God will be the lamb. Rewind. After those things came to pass, God did come to tempt Abraham. And he said, get up. We've got something very important to do, my friend. Okay, 
I didn't believe you when you said we were going to get pregnant. I didn't believe you when it came to taking this land. I didn't believe you time and time and time again. You changed my name. You added a piece of you into me. Yeah, let's do this thing. Abraham, you get to be a part of something amazing. Come on. Get up. I'm going to show my people a pre-coming of the king. And you have to act this out so they know when it happens. Now, to get a little nerdy, we think in the Western world, we think that uh, prophecy is prediction and fulfillment. But in the Greek world, excuse me, in the Hebrew world, it's types. You guys know like a prototype. You know what it is, right? You build something before the real thing, right? A prototype, an archetype. That's another thing. But in this, this is a, a prefiguring. In Greek, it's called tupos. It's a figure, an image, a pattern of prefiguring. And that's what this is. So in the beginning, we saw a trembling little boy and a big, mean, angry God asking, saying, you can't be happy. Instead, I'm proposing that we're actually seeing a partnership, that God is asking his children to actually be a partner with what he's doing on the planet for his other kids. I didn't think I was going to bring this up, but I am. Before we leave, because I get it, we're wrapping up right here. I could tell you the prefiguring of why and why Moses wasn't allowed in the promised land. We could do that because he actually blew a, a prototype he was supposed to do uh, in his own flesh. He didn't act out the prophecy he was supposed to. But I want to tell you one other thing. We've got a few more slides, don't we? Let's show me what they are. I'll wing it. <laughs> Abraham returned to his young man off the mountain, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. That's Genesis twenty-two nineteen. Now, what you're going to see is something weird here. I told you, the son, or excuse me, the comforter, Eliezer, is in the bottom of the mountain. You got the father and the son. Now, what I'm going to propose to you is this. We're going to go several chapters where the son is omitted from the text. You will not hear of Isaac again. You will not hear of the son until something happens. Let's see what that is. Isaac had come from Lehi Roy. So now we're at Genesis 24, 62. He was living in the Negev. He went out to a field to meditate, and he looked up. He saw camels, and he saw his bride coming. Let me say that one more time a little more clearly. The father and son are on a mountain. Holy Spirit is present. The father walks down the mountain. The son is gone until he's reunited with his bride. Do you, uh, I can't make this stuff up. So do you, do you see? Isaac got to play the role of Yeshua, of the king, of Jesus. And Abraham got to play the role so that the Hebrews, when it happened would number one be without excuse. They had these texts. In fact, in their schools, they were commanded to memorize these texts. The Torah, the first five books. And can I tell you something? The other religions of the world have access to this. And so on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross and it should be eerily familiar to you. you get it? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? The reality is this. Let me just close by saying these things. I don't know what you're going through, man. I don't. And even if you're in a good season right now, as I mentioned before, if we let things like this in, I think we're going to purposefully stay away from intimacy with God. Because let me tell you something. If there's something I fear, I don't draw near to it, right? We avoid it. And I think for some of us, this idea that we're supposed to or that it's holy to fear God, to fear that he's not going to protect our families, to fear that he's not going to heal us, emotionally, physically, spiritually, to fear that we're never going to get to that place that we really know we want to be, happiness and fulfillment. Some of us think that that's holy and that's good to be that way. 
that it's good to tremble before God. Personally, I don't necessarily think that. Not when I see this. 1 John 4, 8. If you do not love, you do not know God because God is literally love. God is love. I mean, really, when you think love, do you think fear? No. When you think love, you think nurturing. You think beckoning. You think, right? Deuteronomy 32, 4. Um, God, a God of faithfulness and without inequity, just and upright is he. The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are justice. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Deuteronomy, why are we going there for love? That's weird. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He's faithful. He keeps his promises and steadfast love for those who love him and keep his commands to a thousand generations. I could go on and on and on, but Exodus 34 says this. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. He says of himself, the Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin. Anytime you miss the mark, he's not waiting there to beat you up. There's no belt behind his back. He's desperately wanting to forgive those things. That's what he says of himself. So be set free from that today. Be set free from big angry God. That's Zeus, dude, and they made him up. That's Allah, and he's fake. In fact, at worst, he's not fake. He's working for the other side. You can, you can talk to me about that all you want to. But our God, what do I always say? Jesus is pure theology. Jesus is pure theology. Right? Let's sing. We're going to sing Never Once, the one I referenced here. And I personally, I'm going to make a recommendation for you, but I personally am just going to, I'm going to sing about the times in the past where I was tempted to fear. I was tempted to feel alone. But in fact, I wasn't alone on the mountaintop or in the valley. Thanks for joining us online. Stick around to worship if you like. Standing on this mountaintop, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you Standing on this mountaintop, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory, it's your power in us. We see when our stories, Father, the scars and struggles on the way.
scars and struggles on the way But with joy our hearts can say Never once did we ever walk alone Carried by your constant grace We're held within your perfect peace Never once, no, we never walk alone Never once did we ever walk alone Never once did you leave us on our own Cause you are faithful, God, you are faithful definitely takes away that feeling of uh, trepidation or anxiety for what kind of God would that doesn't seem very loving and yet here we realize it was all just pointing to the most loving thing this creation has ever known and that's the sending and giving of your one and only son it didn't escape anybody in this room that Isaac was Abraham's one beloved son reminded that Father God it was at great cost that your reckless love came we talk about it all the time and we love to to just swim in the waters of your grace but Lord help us to never forget that it cost you it cost you dearly to be so loving for us to break down the walls of the things we did Lord if ever it seems easy to us Father please just gently whisper that it wasn't easy for you So we thank you, Father. We acknowledge the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You laying your life down, giving your life. No one took it from you. You gave. And we also understand a little bit better, Father, the heart that you must have felt and what you must have felt as, as that was going on. Maybe that's part of what the story was, Lord. Helping us to kind of uh, empathize with Abraham. That gives us a small clue as to how you felt when your son came for that rescue mission. But Father, above all things, help us to realize that every single person in this room is loved by you, that is beckoned to you, that is called to that very place of sacrifice, that through the Lord Jesus Christ we may be saved. Help us to truly see that clearly in the story. And finally, Father God, help us to cast off the fear by truly stepping towards your love. The voices we've heard, Lord God, that have tried to condemn us, Lord God, help them to be silenced. Our inner voices that do not forgive ourselves easily, the grace we do not give ourselves, Father God, we ask that you help us to, to put, that, put that voice to death, Father God. We are loved, we are accepted, we are fiercely followed and, and, and guided and protected by you. You're a good, good Father, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you for helping us to see that in an otherwise hard story today, Lord. Please be with us as we go, Father, which is redundant because you're everywhere, but help us to perceive you, Lord God, this week. We ask that you protect those we love near and far help us to draw nearer to you than ever before. We love you, Father God. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. Not for one second, Lord. Because you are faithful, God. You are faithful. 
Christ we live, we love, we worship. And together we say amen. Have a great week, everybody.